From engineer to certified fearless living life coach, Jeff Fisnick shares his journey on how he reclaimed his happiness by doing something that he had always wanted to do, rather than doing something for someone else. My favorite thing that he said was, I needed to forgive myself and the choices that I made and be okay with that. How true that is. We all have times where we need to forgive ourselves. Stay tuned for his amazing journey. You won't want to miss it. Welcome to the Power of Investing in People podcast. And today, my guest is the incredible and my personal friend, Jeff Visnick. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Thanks for having me. So, gosh, Jeff, how long has it been? We met probably a year and a half, maybe two years ago? I think it's been almost two years. Wow. And um, I'll let you tell the story, and then I'll give you my side of the story. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, uh, we we were both attending the Fearless Conversations workshop, and uh, that was the first time I had ever participated in a Fearless Living event. And I tend to be very quiet uh, when I'm around new people. And so I kind of went in and uh, hung out by myself and said hello to a few people. And, and then uh, I think you found me and, and worked on pulling me out of my show. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly all weekend. <laughs> all weekend. Yeah. So I think that's kind of how I saw it, too. I was like, oh, there's there's someone who's kind of by themselves. No, no, no. Come, come and hang out with everyone. Um, and I just, you know, immediately saw something just spectacular in you. And I, to be, it's such an honor to so have watched you grow over the last couple of years to see how, you know, your true self just shines through every time I get to talk to you. So it's just an honor. So thank you for thanks. being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. So for those of you who don't know, Jeff Visnick is a certified fearless living coach and certified fearless living trainer. He is also the founder of Reclamation Collaborative. Having spent 20 years as a working professional in the construction industry, Jeff has witnessed and experienced firsthand the impact your job can have on all other areas of your life if you don't vigilantly protect them. He hopes to help others avoid some of the mistakes he made along the way. Jeff guides his clients as they align what they want with who they are. Hmm, We're going to dive into that in a little bit. He provides the skills and tools people need to identify the elements of their lives that are most important and the support and accountability to help them figure out how to integrate more of them in their life. And you can find him at reclaim-me.org. Wow. So, Jeff, first of all, I always like to start off with this question at first. So tell me, what does investing in people mean to you? Um, to me, it, so one of the nine core elements of our lives that I think is growth. And I think as individuals, we have a responsibility to be investing in our growth. And I think companies also have a responsibility to be investing in the growth of their people. And, you know, I I like to, I like to say that, 
you know, every every day you should be trying to get a little bit better. Not, not that there's anything wrong with you, but you should be, you know, moving forward every day. So that's that's kind of what investing in people means to me. Mm, great answer. Great answer. And I love that you said the word growth. There's so many times that we can get stagnant or feel, you know, just kind of like in the doldrums or in the ho-hums of the everyday going to work, coming home, kids, family, going to bed and starting over every day. So is there something that was going on in your life that you said, you know what, I really get that there is something more out there and I am going to find it. And then you invested in yourself to figure that out. Yeah. So I had, I had worked 20 years to kind of, well, probably 15 years to get to, you know, started out at the bottom and worked my way all the way to, to being a principal in a consulting engineering firm. And that was kind of the path that everybody in the industry's career followed. And I, I just, I wasn't happy with it. Uh, even after working that hard to get there, it, it just, there were parts of it I liked, but, but it wasn't, you know, what I thought it was going to be. And so some things happened and, uh, you know, it kind of caused me to start to look at my life a little bit differently and realize that I didn't have to follow this path just because I had been on it for 15 or 20 years, that there was a possibility for me to do something different. Hmm. And how did you, what was your next step? Like, okay, so you made that decision of, okay, there's got to be something more. So what was your first step? Did you research? Did you talk to other people? Like, what did you do? Well, I, um, I, I was removed from my job. We, we ended up uh, having to separate uh, because it just wasn't working out and I wasn't happy. And um, so I, I sat back and I thought, you know, what are the things that I liked about that job? Mm. And what I really enjoyed about that job was working with our staff and helping them develop into better uh, employees, better people, and so then I started to think, you know, is there a way that I could just do more of that? Because that's what I really liked. And I kind of landed on uh, coaching as, as a way to have a career where that's what I was doing. And so I, I did do some research, you know, the engineer in me came out and, uh, you know, I felt like I had been, you know, guiding and mentoring people that worked for me. And, you know, yes, I could go out and do it, but I, I thought it would be a lot easier to do if I had kind of a, a template to work from or, you know, some, some, some way that, you know, people coach. And so I just started researching different uh, organizations that certified coaches as a way to kind of make myself more comfortable. Good for you. And I want the listeners to really uh, hear that. So he, you know, was no longer at his job. And instead of blaming or shaming the job, he said, okay, what is it that I really liked about what I did? And what does that look like going forward? And I think as a society, we don't tend to do that. We tend to, you know, if something is uh, lost, we tend to wallow in that, well, I've got to find something else immediately. And they don't take that time. And maybe some can't, you know, financially or what have you, but most don't take that time to really in invest in themselves to think, okay, what could I do? What else is possible if I just 
extrapolate the things that I really liked and to creating something that really brings me, I know you didn't use this word, but I'm going to say it because I could see your face saying it, joy and more fulfilled uh, in a, on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah. And if I'm being honest, you know, the, the thoughts were kind of playing through my head, but it took me almost a year to actually work up the courage to do something about it. So Good for you. And, you know, that, again, it comes down to, like you said, courage. It takes just having the mindset of willing to do something different. And, um, you know, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we don't get that choice to actually act. And, you know, you, you maybe, uh, I'm assuming when you say you were removed from the job, you weren't, you know, you separated ways on, a, a, a for a reason, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and then you said you researched. So tell me about that process. Like, what did you find? What did you find when you were researching? Was there coaching programs? Was there maybe going back to school for psychology since you really like to help people? Or what, what else was your process? Um, I, I think I settled in on coaching pretty quickly. So I didn't really, I, I already, I, I, I had gone back to school in the early 2000s and gotten an MBA. Um, so going back to school wasn't really something that was on my radar, especially with two kids and, mm. uh, you know, needing to work. I, it was hard enough when it was just me and my wife and I had a job and was going to school. I can't imagine doing it with two kids. So, right. uh, but I'm sure it's possible. It just wasn't where I was at at the moment. Um, so, you know, I, I really, I was looking for, uh, learning how to coach and there were a bunch of different programs that you could go through. Um, a lot of them kind of taught you how to coach and then just kind of set you free um, to, to do it. And then when you had a certain number of hours, you could come back and get certified. And I luckily stumbled upon the fearless living Institute by Googling certified life coaches near me. And there was one that lived about or worked about five minutes from my house. And so wow. uh, that, I, I guess it was meant to be. Um, and I eventually had a call with Rhonda, the, the founder of the Fearless Living Institute. And that was all it took was about 30 minutes on the phone with her. And I was I was convinced that if I was going to do it, that was the right program for me. Mm, I love that. And I wasn't was convinced so I was going to do it, but I was convinced. <laughs> But that was the right one if I did. <laughs> uh, you know, the great distinction, because how many times have we go, yep, that's the path I want to take. I just maybe not right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I love that you said, you know, you, you talked to Rhonda for 30 minutes and you just knew that that was it. And that was, you know, Jeff and I are on the same path. We both ha- were both certified fearless living coaches and trainers. And when you step into something or come across something that, just speaks to what you're going through and really like, you know, you know, you know that this is the right path for me. It was the fact that she was teaching people to step out of their comfort zone. And I had already been doing that. So for me, it was like, Oh, this is a no brainer. I've already been practicing most of this stuff. This is right up my alley. And so I am so glad that you said that. So was there a particular thing that really was like, the defining moment or you can pinpoint and go, yes, that's why I want to do this. Uh, actually it was her belief in me that I mm. could do it. Um, I didn't believe it myself, um, but she did. And she kind of 
held that space for me to see that it was possible. And I, I think that was because I certainly wasn't getting that uh, from a lot of different uh, elements outside in my life. Uh, probably my wife was the only one who was also on my side that this was a good idea. So it was that. It was her belief in me. Wow. But I didn't know myself. That is so beautiful. And I know as a coach, you hold space for people because you believe in them. That is very true. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, I think why I wanted to get into it is because I do, I do believe in people. Maybe not so much myself at the time, but other people I certainly did. And, and so, yeah, that's, I could see their potential where they couldn't see it. And so now you've created this um, align, are you an alignment kind of program? So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so essentially the, the program looks at where you're at in your life right now based on nine different elements of your life. And it looks at where you want to go with your life in those nine different elements. And, and I, I kind of look at it like a Rubik's Cube. You're shifting you know, there's no one set thing of the nine elements that's going to last you for the rest of your life as things change. You're going to be kind of playing with this Rubik's Cube of life and shifting things around and seeing what's important to you. Mm. Um, but but we, we try to identify where they want to go and then why is that important mm. to them? I think the why is a really critical piece of, you know, it's one thing to say, I want to get there but it's a lot more motivating if you know why you want to get there. And so we, we figure all that out. We figure out, you know, what are their values? What are their superpowers? Um, what are they going to use to kind of guide their decision-making process going forward? Uh, what does success look like for their, look like for their life? <clears throat> and then we start to work on how are they kind of getting in their own way hmm. and chip away at that a little bit at a time. And once we've kind of, resolved a lot of the ways that they're getting in in their own way or work on them you know it's an ongoing process then we lay out a game plan for what uh how they're going to get there and then the rest of it's all about support and accountability and nourishment Mm, nourishment what a great word i love that and that's what you do as a coach i mean i've been uh, honored to be coached by you and that's literally what you do is you nourish your clients so that i love that word um, so you have nine different areas and you really just kind of figure out why that is important, why that thing is important in everybody's life. Yeah. And I love that you do that because it sounds like in the early stages of your career, you didn't have a why. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> I did not have a why at all. I didn't know why I was doing anything. So, I didn't know what success looked like. I didn't know why I was doing it. It was just, um, you know, I was good at math and science and <clears throat> had good grades and was able to get into engineering school. <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, that was, that was why. I and mean, then I just worked that path <clears throat> for 20 years, not really knowing why. So that's the thing I think most people sometimes don't see that. And I know your story, so I'm going to kind of dive in a little bit deeper here. 
So you didn't know why you were choosing the path you were choosing of being an engineer. However, there was maybe somebody in your life that was kind of um, suggest, highly suggesting that you go in one particular direction. So can you kind of tell us about that? Yeah, you know, I think um, my parents growing up, um, in particular my dad, um, you know, his, his dad had careers that were not horribly stable. You know, he, he was an iron worker, um, you know, did, did some other, you know, like mining type jobs. And um, so, you know, they didn't know where their next paycheck was coming from. They didn't, uh, you know, he also had a bit of a drinking problem. And so there would be times where he'd be in jail and then they would have to go get him. And so it was just really uncertain, I think. And so I think, you know, my parents did the exact opposite. Uh, you know, what, what job can we get that's going to be super stable, that's going to provide for our family, uh, that's going to, you know, make us in a better position than, than when we started. And, you know, my dad worked at the same job uh, very successfully, or the same company very successfully growing there for 35 years. And wow. so, uh, you know, I think that's, that's what they wanted for me. And an engineering degree and career is a perfectly good way to do that. And so that, that's kind of, I think, why I was nudged in that direction. I agree. And I think that, you know, it's important for our listeners to really understand that, that sometimes, you know, we, we look around in our 30s and 40s and we realize, like, how did we even get here? Yeah. And it's mostly because of um, the generations that came before us, you know, have really laid the groundwork that we didn't even really see. And next thing you know, you're making decisions based on what they had gone through, um, not what we really wanted. Yeah. And I mean, we were, we were happy growing up. Uh, you know, we had everything that we could ask for. So, you know, starting out of high school and going to college and getting that job in my mind, there was no reason not to recreate that because it, it worked. Right. Uh, so, right. Uh, it, you know, it worked for them. Why wouldn't it work for me? You know, the, the house in the suburbs, the two kids, the wife, the, stable job. That was, that was the path that I had seen. So I repeated it. And I love that you did repeat it one, because it brought you to where you are today. And two, it really shows you that, you know, sometimes parents are so caught up in what they don't want for their kids that they're not giving them space to let them like be creative and figure it out for them. Right. Would you agree with that? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. And you see it in sports, you see it in school, you see it in all sorts of things uh, with kids and their parents uh, trying to recreate something, you know, that they either didn't get experience or, you know, that they did and they liked. I, I know with our kids, we always seem to be about a year or two ahead in buying them gifts because we, we always wanted to get them this cool thing that we didn't have. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then they were like, what is this? We're not ready for this. <laughs> so oh, that's fun. Yeah, I mean, you, you do it over and over again. And, and you know, it's, it's funny. So from it, it, it's funny that, you know, our, our stories are very similar. So my parents grew up in the depression age that their parents were in the depression age. Right. So they inherited that. Um, you just have to work hard. You find a job that makes you money. It doesn't matter if you are happy or you really like it. And so that was my 
understanding growing up, like you just find a job that pays you lots of money, whether you go to college first, it doesn't even matter. You just go to find you a job that pays you lots of money. And I went to college for computer science (laughs) and I hated it. I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah. And I absolutely hated it. (laughs) And, uh, and if you know me, like Jeff knows me very well, I am not a sit behind the computer kind of person. (laughs) So when I was taking, like I was in my second semester of uh, programming and I was like, I don't think I can do this. I don't think I could sit behind a computer all day. It wasn't that I couldn't do the work. It's that I couldn't sit there all day. I have too much energy to, to, to do. And so I quit and made some, you know, good decisions and made some really bad decisions. And about six months later, I landed in cosmetology school. Yeah. And, and I really had to, at 19, I had the wisdom to really look at, okay, what is it that I really like to do? And I think that's where, and now that I'm doing the same thing, I'm looking at, you know, I've shifted from being a hairstylist to being a coach because the thing I love about being a hairstylist is that people tell me their life stories, right? And I get to, you know, I have an opportunity to to help them if I want to or not help them. And most people tell their barbers everything or hairstylists everything. So it's just part of the job. I, I know I do. Yeah. Right. (laughs) And if you have, if you meet someone right now, that's going through that questioning, like, am I really happy? Or I just don't feel like I'm happy. What advice would you give them? Um, so I, I think the best advice I could give them would be to talk to somebody who doesn't have a stake in their life. Um, whether that's a therapist, whether that's a coach, whether that's a mentor. Um, you know, I, I, I used to see that as kind of a weakness, right? You did everything on your own. Um, and if you needed help, that meant you weren't good enough uh, to, to do whatever you were doing. And, you know, I started, started with therapy and have been coached. And, you know, now I, have to have somebody in my life who I can go talk to that is kind of an independent third party. Um, and, and I really enjoy talking through what's going on with that person and they see things that I don't see. And so that, that would be my advice. Mm, I love that. So basically what he's saying is invest in yourself. Yeah. 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 And, and I like how you are really were uh, focused more on your, the workflow of people's lives, but really it, it kind of go flows over into all areas of life. So tell me about that process. Um, I don't know that I understand the question. Maybe reframe it for me. So uh, in your bio, we talked about how you, your focus is how your career, you might not be happy in your career, but it does affect other areas. So kind of tell us about how it does affect other areas. Yeah, I mean, so when I was at my job that I had, had worked my whole career for, um, you know, it kind of started to go sideways. And it's mm. a bit of a long story, so I'm not going to bore you with it. But but it was going sideways, and I wasn't happy. Um, showing up to work every day was a struggle. Uh, you could tell my leadership went down. Uh, the office kind of started to, to fall apart a little bit just because of what I was dealing with with my boss. And I, I just wasn't in a good place. And, you know... 
it, it spilled over into my marriage. It spilled over into my relationship with my kids. I wasn't taking care of myself. I didn't exercise. Uh, I didn't see my friends. And when I did see my friends, I'm sure it wasn't very fun to be around because all I was doing was complaining the whole time. And so, yeah, I mean, all those different elements of your life are impacted if one thing is, is out of, out of whack and, um, you know, and it can happen in, in reverse too, because there were times where uh, in my marriage, it hasn't been super great or we were having a really hard time and that affected how I showed up at work and, you know, how you show up with the kids. And so all, all these, like I said, it's a Rubik's cube. Everything is tied together and it, and it plays off of each other. And so it's, it's really important to look at all the areas and see, you know, I didn't even realize what the impact was of being unhappy at work in some of those areas until I, it was resolved. Thank you for sharing that. And I love that you use the analogy, the, the Rubik's cube, and you had mentioned earlier the nine areas and one of them is growth. So do you care to elaborate on what the other eight are? Uh, sure. I'll, I'm going to try to count them off. So I don't miss one. Okay. Uh, so health, spirituality, growth, fun, family, friends, finances, love, and career. Mm, I love that. Absolutely love all of those nine areas. And the thing that he's really pinpointing on that I want um, the listeners to understand is that when you have one of those areas that are, like you said, out of whack, or, you know, you're like, just not participating fully as your authentic self, you really, it spills over into the other, other eight areas. Right. And, you know, in we're life coaches and we're also business coaches and we're also love coaches and we're also growth coaches and accountability coaches. Like literally we are covering all of those areas. And um, I just love that you've created this whole alignment program for your clients is there a, any kind of um, example that you want to give on how you've ha- helped a client move forward in their life? Um, yeah. Yeah. That's a, uh, that's a good question. Um, so I, I do, I have a client who, uh, you know, he's, he's struggling a little bit at work. Um, he's, he's been struggling uh, to date. And, and find somebody, you know, he wants to get married. He wants to have kids. Um, and so, you know, as, we, as we've kind of dug into these things, we, we do kind of bounce around from all of these different areas and, and see kind of where, where he's up and where he's down. And, you know, he's added an exercise, which has helped him a lot, uh, which he wasn't doing before. Um, you know, he's, he's looking for things that he can do for fun. You know, when he does get, uh, you know, when something happens at work and he does get stressed out, he'll he'll get, turn to something that he likes to do for fun and it'll kind of, you know, ease, ease that uh, burden. Um, but, you know, I think his biggest transformation so far has been uh, in the dating world. He was holding on to uh, something that had happened in a relationship eight years ago mm. and was having a really hard time moving past it. Um, he... You know, in, in high school, he had dated a girl who was, uh, they were friends first. And so, you know, he went from the friend zone to boyfriend. And, and so that was kind of, you know, he saw that that path worked once. Yeah. And so he, he kept trying to 
to repeat it. And, and so this girl that it, he had a, a bad experience with, they were in the same situation where, you know, they were friends. And so then he's like, oh, let's, this is fun. Let's try dating. And she's like, no. And then she would go away for a little bit, but she liked him. So she would come back and they would hang out. And, you know, so this happened a couple of times. And the last time she was really mean to him uh, mm. that, that he wasn't getting the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, that she wasn't interested in dating him. And, and so he'd been holding on to that for a long time. And uh, he was able to write her, her a letter uh, that he did not give to her, um, you know, to, to work through the forgiveness exercise of forgiving her for how mm-hmm. she treated him. And, you know, in the process, learned a lot about himself and how he uh, needed to forgive himself. And so I think that was a really powerful exercise for him. You know, it's, Given him confidence, not only in dating, but in other, other aspects too. So. Mm, absolutely. I love that you pick, picked the guy who's single because you're married. <laughs> so, you know, you don't always have to have all, all, all the things align up with this, as the same as a coach. Um, but I love that he really understood that, you know, it's, it's not always about us, right? It's not always about, it was not, it wasn't always about him. It was her choices and yet he still chose to forgive her. That's huge. Huge. Yeah. yeah and, and, and so he's been, he's been working on forgiveness in other areas of his life, you know, with his boss at work. So um, it, uh, it does spill over and, and play out into all these different areas. And, and he's had to learn to forgive himself too. So, uh, you know, that's, that's one little example of some, a way that we're, you know, kind of stopping ourselves from moving forward and how it can kind of spill out into into all the elements of our life. Yeah. And I just want to dive in a little bit deeper to the forgiveness uh, letter. So when Jeff is talking about that, it is really about being able to see the innocence in the other person. Right. And have a, uh, uh, I would almost say an awakening to understanding that they are not deliberately hurting you. They are only have using, they are only being with the skills and the tools that they have. And you are only processing and being with the skills and the tools that you have. And so I think it's something to be said that, you know, everyone can really benefit from writing a forgiveness letter. And like he said, he doesn't have, you don't have to give it to him. No, he, he burned it. Oh, well, perfect. Just perfect. be careful. He, I told him to be careful so he didn't. Light his house on fire, but <laughs> uh, like a good coach, you of course you don't have to be careful. <laughs> and a good dad, <laughs> but that—that's. Uh, I mean, I mean, think about it. I, I mean, I've writ- had to write and uh, forgive those letters many times, and I've had to write them to myself. Yes. And I was just working with a client last night to write one to herself. So, uh, how has uh, writing a forgiveness letter really benefited you? Well, it, it helped me move past that job that, that went sideways on me. Um, the, I guess I'll, I'll give a little, little backstory so it makes some sense. Um, the dad, uh, it was a family-run company. Uh, things were going really well. The dad wanted to retire, and he promoted one of his sons to take over, and uh, ultimately that led to every person who was leading each of the offices leaving. Um, mm. So... About, so fast forward about nine months, uh, I'm watching the AFC championship game between the New England Patriots and the Kansas City Chiefs. 
And uh, just again, for some backstory, I'm a Denver Broncos fan. Uh, he, the brother was a Kansas City Chiefs fan. And as a Denver Broncos fan, I have a lot of sports hate for Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. Um, and uh, so this game is playing out and it's really close. And, and the tighter it is and the closer it's getting to the end, the more and more I find myself cheering for the, the Patriots and Tom Brady. And they end up winning. And my wife's like, what are you doing? You can't stand Tom Brady. And I'm like, oh, yeah, what am I doing? And now I have to watch him in the Super Bowl again. Why would I do that to myself? And it dawned on me in the moment that uh, I wanted the Chiefs to lose so that that brother would suffer because uh, that was really the only thing that I could think of that would hurt him because I guarantee you nine months later, he wasn't still thinking about me. Right. Um, so so it, it took some self-reflection after that <laughs> game of, of wondering what in the world I was doing to, and then and then working with Rhonda to see, oh, Maybe I need to forgive him. And, and in the process, <clears throat> I needed to forgive myself for my role that I played in it and, you know, own the choices I made and, and be okay with that, uh, even though it didn't turn out good. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and, you know, right now, if I, if I saw him, I would thank him because if that hadn't happened, uh, I wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be a coach. And mm-hmm. um, so things work out, uh, even though in the moment it was quite painful. Mm, so true. So true. And I love that you use the football analogy uh, because he, he is in Denver, like you said, and a Broncos fan. And I am a Kansas City Chiefs fan and drinking a tea from my Kansas City Super Bowl Champions Cup as we're doing this interview. So uh, I, I love that you uh, can really relate it to even football. So you were cheering for the other team just to, to hopefully would hurt the one the one guy's team. Yeah, the one that hurt me. Yeah. And, and what's interesting is a year later they played again. And I, after having gone through the forgiveness uh, exercise, you know, it still came up a little bit, but um, yeah. it was much less pronounced. And honestly, I would have preferred that neither team win. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. You were able to watch it from a different perspective this time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so true. And, and, you know, it's funny that, you, you mentioned growth in the very beginning and just listening to that story, how one year you were like, absolutely not. I don't want this guy's team to win to being the next year, just being like, eh, doesn't matter. It's not my team. So it really doesn't matter who wins. Right. What a huge growth for you. Can you see in uh, any other areas of your life where you're like, your relationships have changed or not to mention your career has been amazing, completely different of growth, but anything else is like relationships. Maybe it's your parents, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your wife, or maybe it's uh, you know, maybe you're able to speak more freely to strangers now instead of hiding in a corner. <laughs> I, I think there has been improvement in all of those areas. Um, but if I had to pick one, I think the biggest thing that I've realized in the past year or two is that everything that I do is a choice that I make. And, you know, even staying at a job that you don't like because you need the money, that's a choice. Um, You know, you don't have to, uh, even though it may make logical sense to do so. And I never really thought that way. It was always somebody else's fault. Um, I blamed other people. I, complained what they were doing to me. Um, and 
that was that was a huge shift for me to see that I have a choice in everything that I do. And, you know, it may not always turn out the way I want it to, um, or it may. And I'm okay with that now when I wasn't before. Mm, I love, love, love that. I think so many times we go on through, uh, we go through life with um, blinders on and we're just assuming that other people are making the choices for us. And then when you have this uh, aha realization moment of, wait, I chose to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, myself, I went through many years of life going, I don't have a choice. And um, to, to be able to really pinpoint and go, no, everything I do, everything I do is a choice. Well, and I, I, I felt the same way because, right, I'm, I'm the man. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's my job to provide for my family. It doesn't matter if I like my job. That's, that's my right. responsibility right. is to stay in it because it's providing financially for the family. And, you know, that was a choice. It, it wasn't the only thing I could do. And, mm-hmm. you know, going and opening a coaching business, we learned uh, that uh, even though we had to scale back a bit, we're, we're doing just fine and, and uh, we're surviving. So, And I will say you're surviving more- probably even. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that because I was just about to say, you're not just surviving, you're thriving. Uh, I was had the um, amazing opportunity to spend time with uh, Jeff's beautiful family, his wife and his kids, and you are thriving as a family. Um, when we met two years ago, I mean, it just felt like there was a, a heaviness uh, around the relationships in your family, your your kids and your wife, and to see how you're just so loving and caring and um, able to just joke around and have fun and, and, you know, kind of give each other a hard time is so amazing. What a shift I saw in just the little bit of time that I've known you. Yeah, we were, we were recently hanging out with uh, my wife's brother and his wife and uh, they, they made a comment to her parents that, you know, and they've known me for 20 years. Mm-hmm that was the happiest they had ever seen me mm. and the, the most relaxed they've ever seen me. So I, I think it speaks to my growth. Absolutely. And the happiest and the most relaxed, I say that's definitely thriving. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. 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 So Jeff, where can uh, people connect with you? Are you on social media? I know you're new to social media, but are you on social media, LinkedIn, anything like that? Yeah, I'm, I'm on Facebook and, so, and LinkedIn, primarily on LinkedIn, just Jeff Bisnick, uh And then the Reclamation Collaborative, I have a business page as well. And, um, you know, through my website, reclaim-me.org. Reclaim-me.org. And I have to just speak to that for just a quick second before we go to the next question. Uh, what made you decide to call it Reclaim Me? <laughs> it's, a, it's a funny story. Um, so we were at a coaching uh, workshop or something. I don't remember which one it was, but somebody was asking me what I wanted to be when I grew up. And uh, I told her I wanted to be a trash man. A what? A trashman. A trashman. Okay. Because every uh, every week when the trash truck would come, as a little kid, I would run to the window <laughs> and look at this cool truck, and that was what I wanted to be. So my parents jokingly tell me all the time that I wanted to be a trashman. 
And so she said, well, that's interesting, you know, coaching. You're in some ways dealing with people's trash. Mm. That's a great way to put it. Um, and so that, that kind of got my wheels spinning and, you know, kind of taking trash and trying to look at it in a more positive way. And it's, it's really goes back to reclamation, right? You're taking something that, you know, has maybe been cast aside, whether it's certain areas of your life and you're reclaiming it, um, and, and kind of taking back control. Mm, I love that analogy. Love. I didn't know that story. And so I love that you shared that. I'm just picturing people who are like feeling like they're in the gutter. Uh, Like they've gone out to, you know, sit by the trash because they're like, my life is garbage. I've, you know, got nothing with it. And Jeff comes along with his big fancy truck and he's like, come on, hop in with me. Let's reclaim your life. Let's recycle what you got going on and we will uh, take you to further, further heights. So I, I, And you look at like, uh, you know, landfills or whatever, where it's pretty much just been cast aside and you can actually take it and reclaim the land and turn it into something, something really nice. And people can do that with their lives too. I am speechless because I, like I said, I did not know that story. I love that story. Please share that more often. (laughs) It's a great story because so many times we are looking at the circumstances that we've been through and we're judging ourselves that, uh, there's something wrong with me or I'm not good enough or I'm not smart enough or I'm not, you know, rich enough or handsome enough or pretty enough or skinny or whatever enough fit enough, successful enough. And we think of ourselves as, I I mean, I'm not going to, I'm trying to not to be harsh, but it is harsh. It's the reality. We think of ourselves as trash. We think of ourselves, we call it baggage, but really it's garbage. Right. And it's this, to me, I, I've called it the media, uh, mediocre and negative mindset where you just get so stuck in the loop of beating yourself up constantly uh, in that inner dialogue that you don't even see you're doing it. Yeah. And you don't even see how it's affecting other people or affecting all the other eight areas of your life. Like, or like Jeff has this Rubik's Cube, the nine areas of life. So I love that you come through, come through on your truck. No, it's never too late. Hop on. Yeah. Honk your horn and come with me. <laughs> ah, I got tools and skills to give you. I love that. Yeah. I love that. So, um, and your website is reclaim-me.org. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So Jeff, it's been just a pleasure and an honor to have you on the show today. And um, I thank you for your time. I know you're, you're super busy. And so I want to leave with this question. Um, what, phrase, scripture, or mantra are you living by right now? Um, so I wholly believe with every, every fiber of my being that you can live the life you want without sacrifice or regret. Mm. All, you have, all you have to do is step into alignment. That is so true. <laughs> and you have really been an example of that. And um, I can tell that just by listening to your story and from the years that I've known you, you don't have regret. Not anymore. I used to a lot, but not yeah. anymore. Oh, that's awesome. 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 Well, as we wrap up, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening and uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Hey, don't turn this off just yet. 
Does the thought of collaborating and connecting with a diverse group of creative thought leaders appeal to you? Do you have a compelling story and don't know where to start? Have you ever thought about writing a book and thought about writing the whole book is overwhelming? Well, we are looking for you. We want to connect and collaborate with other podcasters, coaches, and entrepreneurs who want to gain exposure. We are looking for other people who want to co-author a book with us. You can find out more details at firestartersbookproject.com.